Hey, welcome into the Coach Bo Knows Podcast here on the Studio Soapbox Network. I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. We're recorded live at the O'Connor Advisor Group Studios. Check out all things O'Connor Advisor Group at OAGKS.com. You can interact with the show on Twitter and Instagram at Coach Bo Knows Show is our handle. Check out the Facebook page, search Coach Bo Knows Show, and you can email us at Coach Bo Knows Show at gmail.com. This is episode 46. It is Sunday night. This will be coming out on Monday. I'm a little juiced up. It's almost 11 o'clock here in Lawrence, Kansas, and I am still excited because my Red Sox had a big win on Sunday night baseball against the dreaded, hated New York Yankees. Um, sorry that the Red Sox had to interrupt the three-and-a-half-hour commercial or infomercial for the New York Yankees with an ass-kicking, but that's what happens when you... ESPN decides they want to program all about the Yankees when they're playing in Fenway Park. I'll get off my high horse a little bit on that here in a moment, but I did want to say I watched a little bit of the Red Sox. I watched all of the Red Sox and the Yankees the last two nights, Saturday night on Fox and Sunday night on uh, ESPN. ESPN wasn't as bad as Fox was with the one-sidedness. Oh, my Lord. I thought Saturday night's call of the Red Sox Yankee game was not just one of the worst calls I've ever seen. AJ Przinsky is just awful as a play-by-player, as a color, as a color guy. I'm sorry, and uh, Adam Amin was pretty bad as the play-by-play guy. But it was like they were playing a New York Yankee infomercial. Even when Red Sox batters were batting. The guys on Fox couldn't help but talk about Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton, and it was pretty annoying. I'm so glad that in the 10th inning, the Red Sox came back for the second time in the game and won that game. If you go back and look, I dare you, go back and look when uh, the base hit happens, when Alex Verdugo hits a base hit and scores the two runs for the Red Sox to win Saturday night, it's silence from the Fox announcers for a good 30 seconds. They, and then there's just no excitement. It was, well, the Red Sox break their losing streak, and the Yankees' win streak is now over, and let's take it back to the studio. And I was like, okay, you guys deserve this. Fuck you guys. So, uh, yeah, just a little bit of that. ESPN, not quite as bad. They had Alex Verdugo wired up on the fourth inning, which was pretty cool. Uh, Doogie's pretty funny. And, uh, but the rest of the game, they did talk quite a bit about the Yankees and not about the Red Sox hardly at all until, of course, the Red Sox get the lead uh, late in the game. And it's a little it was a little better on ESPN. I was not about to watch any of that K-Rod show on ESPN2, the um, Alex Rodriguez with Billy Crystal and um, no, no chance, Michael K. It was no chance I was watching that shit. I'm not watching any New York Yankee love fest. So, um, so Red Sox split the four-game series with the Yankees, which is great. They got the last two after losing the first two. So I'm a little juiced up tonight. But a uh, little Coach Bo knows rants here on uh, the pod today. Just going to cover a couple of things. I'm going to talk a little baseball. Sunday, the full rosters for the All-Star game were announced. And... I think for the most part, Major League Baseball gets this right. Now, I don't like I don't like fan voting. Um, I haven't liked it for years, but I it, 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 there's a couple of things wrong with Major League Baseball as far as the All Star Game. They've always done a thing where they've had at least one player from every team has to be on the roster, and I do understand that. Like back in the day. Um, you know, I'm in my late 40s, and when I was a boy, you couldn't see all the games as we do now. So the All-Star game was the one time if you were, you know, a kid from the South like I was, and you, all you got to see was what was on TBS, which was the Braves, WGN, which was the Cubs, and then the whatever the Saturday baseball game was on NBC, usually that was East Coast games. So you didn't get to see a lot of the, the West Coast players. You didn't see players that played for the Mariners or the Angels, um, the Giants, the Dodgers, unless it was a Giants-Dodgers game on a on, on an NBC doubleheader. Uh, so it was it was nice to see that back then, but now you get to see everybody. 
There's a lot of games on television, a lot of games on the internet, a lot of stuff streaming. You can see every game. So I don't think it's something now where we kind of have to have that rule. Um, I think that rule is, you're going to hear for the next couple of days, the talking people on ESPN, FS1, they're going to talk about snubs. What players didn't make the All-Star team? Hey, there was a couple of big snubs. To me, Freddie Freeman and Josh Bell are the two big ones. But they're also caught up in there at the, the, the hardest position in the National League to get on the All-Star team, which is first base. You know, they only have two first basemen, and they've chosen uh, the fans, chose Paul Goldschmidt, who I think was very deserving, and then the players chose um, Pete Alonzo. Again, pretty well-deserved. I think Freeman and Bell were more deserving than Alonzo, but I don't think it hurts to have Pete Alonzo on the team. Um, it also gives the Mets a, um, a player if they're going to have just one from the Mets. Now, they had a couple, uh, but if you had just the one player from a team, that would give them that. But uh, And the Mets ended up having three players on the team. But, um, actually, had four, I'm sorry, four. Um, but I look at that and I go, well, there's a couple of those, and we're going to see that. But a lot of that whole snubs thing, going back to my original point, was it's because the teams, you have to have someone from each team, you know, locally here in Kansas City, Andrew Benintendi made the team. Um, I think part of that was, but you have to have a Royal. I think Andrew Benintendi could have made the All-Star team anyway. Uh, he's in the top five in Major League Baseball in, in hitting. Uh, he's played, He plays a good left field. He's a great player. I think that he was deserving. But then you have certain teams that this year probably don't deserve a player. I mean, which Baltimore Oriole deserves to be on the team? If you, are, if you ask me, the Oriole that deserved to be on the team was Austin Hayes. And I probably would have had him ahead of Giancarlo Stanton. I had the one player on the team, and I'll come back to that, but the one player I think shouldn't have been on the All-Star team was Giancarlo Stanton. But um, for the most part, I think Major League Baseball does get it right. They've got the players, you know, the, the players now vote for the, uh, the backups. The, the fans vote for the starters. For the most part, the fans did a good job this year. I want to put out a couple of people I'm really happy for on the starters. Uh, my first one with the American League. The starters for the American League are going to be uh, Shohei Otani's the DH. He's also been elected as a pitcher. I think that's kind of weird, but uh, go with me on that. The three outfielders, Mike Trout, Aaron Judge, and Giancarlo Stanton. Stanton's the one guy I don't think should be on the All-Star team, but he's a Yankee. He's popular. He got on there elected by the fans. Trout and Judge might be the two best outfielders in all of baseball right now. Uh, shortstop, Tim Anderson of the White Sox. I'm a big Tim Anderson guy. Happy for Tim Anderson. He got on the, on the team. The guy I'm most happy for in the American League was Raphael Devers. Guys, I'm a Red Sox fan. I think Raphael Devers is a superstar. So glad he made his second All-Star team and he's starting this year. Jose Altuve will be starting to second base. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at first. And then this guy, he's not on my team, but I like this guy. That's Alejandro Kirk. If you haven't seen Alejandro Kirk play yet, he is the catcher of the Toronto Blue Jays. And y'all, if Coach Bo was a Major League Baseball player, he would look like Alejandro Kirk. Dude's like 5'10". He's about, I think he's listed. I got to look this up, but... He's a short, squatty guy. He's pretty big around the waist, and he just he just rakes. Dude is awesome. He's 5'8". He listed at 5'8", 245. This dude is about three biscuits heavier than 250, so I'm just saying. Uh, but I'm so happy. He's had a really great first half. It definitely deserves to be, I think he's been the best catcher in baseball, and I'm so happy for him. Uh, National League side of starters, we got Wilson Contreras starting for the Cubs. He's the catcher, uh, a great catcher. It's his third All-Star game. Happy for him. Paul Goldschmidt, who I think right now I would vote for as the National League MVP. I think Paul Goldschmidt is just grossly underrated as a player. I think he is a Hall of Famer. And uh, his seventh All-Star game, he'll be starting. This is where the fans got it right, which is rare. Ch uh, Jazz Chisholm. The second baseman from the Marlins gets his first uh, 
first All-Star Game appearance. He's also going to start. He has had a fantastic year. He's a fantastic young player. It's so hard to not just be good when you're young and show out, but to do it for the Marlins where nobody sees you play in person and people don't see you play. He's been fantastic. Uh, Manny Machado will be the third baseman for the Padres. If you know me, you know I'm not a big fan of his, but he's a fantastic player. Uh, Trey Turner from the Dodgers will be the shortstop. The outfield, I think, is great. Ronald Acuna, Mookie Betts, my favorite player. And then Jock Peterson uh, from the Giants, the lone giant on the team. Uh, he's got like 17 home runs right now. He's the lone giant. He was elected to start. Uh, I did see that Bryce Harper was originally uh, selected to be the DH for the uh, National League. He has been replaced by William Contreras from the, from the Braves. Uh, that's really cool that William Contreras, younger brother for Wilson Contreras, are both going to play together in the All-Star game. So that, that's pretty cool stuff there. <clears throat> Pardon me. Uh, as we go through this, uh, I'm not going to go through all the pitching selections, but I'm going to hit a couple of these. Um, Shohei Otani, like I already said, has been uh, elected as both a pitcher and as an out, as a, a DH. Um, I personally wouldn't have elected him as a DH. I would have elected Jordan Alvarez from the Astros, who I think should be on the team. Uh, and then Otani as a pitcher is fine. Uh, a couple guys I want to point out. Justin Verlander at 39 has come back from Tommy John's surgery, made the all-star team. He has been fantastic. And uh, Framber Valdez, also from Houston, has had a really, I mean, just a great first half. Happy to see him make the all-star team. A little disappointed that Garrett Cole made the all-star team from the Yankees. I think it's the only time I see Garrett Cole pitch is when he pitches against the Red Sox, and the Red Sox own him. So I don't think that he's really that worthy. Um, I think Nick Pavetta from the Red Sox would have made the all-star team had he not had a poor outing earlier this week. I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday he gave up the seven earned runs, and I think if he hadn't had that one poor outing, I think Nick Pavetta gets a shot on the All-Star team. Um, On the National League side, uh, I wanted to hit a couple of these. Max Fried from Atlanta, uh, Tony Gonsolin from the Dodgers. Tony Gonsolin's been the best pitcher in Major League Baseball first half of the season. I'm glad he got his first uh, first shot at the at the, at the uh, All-Star game. Max Fried, who has um, really battled a lot of injuries last couple seasons, at one point last season was taken out of the rotation for the Braves and gets an All-Star nod. Uh, Luis Castilla from the Reds gets on there. I love that guy. That guy's going to end up getting traded to somebody here sooner than later. We're going to talk a little bit about that here in a little bit. And Clayton Kershaw gets his ninth uh, bid to the All-Star team. Some of the reserves, um, catching reserves, Jose Trevino from the Yankees, who's been pretty good this year. I'm not going to give uh, too much grief on that one. Uh, Travis Darno from the from the Braves, who's been good. Those are your backup catchers. I think that that American League one would have been Salvador Perez, uh, but the, unfortunately the injury there I think hurts him. Uh, but I think he actually would have been elected as a starter had he not gotten hurt. And then we would have seen Cameron Kirk as the second one. Um, infield, uh, we saw uh, what I'm going to jump on first on both sides. So Miguel Cabrera and Albert Pujols have both been added as infielders, as um, sort of extra spots by the commissioner. I love this. I hope they continue to do this. You know, both guys have already said they're shutting it down at the end of the year. Both guys plan to retire. You know, Pujols went back to the Cardinals for a season. Miguel Cabrera's that guy just got his 12th All-Star appearances, the 11th for Pujols. And both guys are just special, special guys. Both guys have got 3,000 hits. Both guys have 500 home runs. Um, both of them are first ballot Hall of Famers. It's good to see them get some shine. They deserve their flowers at the All-Star game. And... You know, I went to the All-Star game in 2012 when Chipper Jones had announced he was going to retire, and he was added to the roster. And That was a lot of fun that week to see, as someone who's a fan of his, to enjoy that. And I'm, I'm glad to see they did that for Pujols and for Cabrera. Uh, both guys have been class acts their whole career and are two of the greatest hitters of all time. 
Paul Holtz is still out there doing his thing, and he's now third in the history of Major League Baseball in extra base hits. Unbelievable. He get that on Saturday. Um, other American League uh, infielders, um, uh, Luis Arias from the uh, Twins, who leads Major League Baseball in hitting right now. Awesome, awesome first all-star selection. My guy, Xander Bogarts, uh, got the nod at shortstop for the Red Sox. He'll be the backup. Cabrera we talked about. Uh, Andres Jimenez from the Guardians. And Jose Ramirez from the Guardians makes his fourth all-star game. Uh, both big fan of Garv Ramirez, too. I think he's great. Nationally side the backups in the, uh, or the, I guess the reserves in the infield. Pete Alonso, we talked about him already. Nolan Arenado, who I think is the best all-around catcher since George Brett, and a fantastic player, future Hall of Famer as well. He makes his seventh All-Star game. C.J. Cron is the lone Rocky on the team, very well-deserving. He's had a great year at the plate, and good to see him. Uh, Jeff McNeil from the Mets, I think this guy is grossly underrated as well. He's been a solid, solid player. And uh, Dansby Swanson, I'm happy to see Dansby Swanson make the team. I've liked Dansby Swanson since he was a. Uh, I've seen him play since he was the number one pick since he was at Vanderbilt. I saw him at the College World Series that year. Been a fantastic player. He's a big part of what the Braves do, and he gets his first All Star game. Uh, outfield reserves in the National League: Ian Happ of the Cubs, Sterling Marte of the Mets. Again, very well deserving. Kyle Schwarber of the Phillies, who is I cannot believe the Red Sox let him go. Uh, fantastic, and then Juan Soto, who to me is one of the top five all-around players in all of baseball, are your four um, reserve outfielders. Outfielder reserves in the American League, you got Andrew Benintendi, we talked about from the Royals, Byron Buxton, who I think is going to be in the MVP race before it's all said and done from the Twins, Julio Rodriguez, the lone Mariner, who I think is a really good player, had a nice season. George Springer, that's uh, P. Money's favorite favorite player, and uh, had a fantastic season with the Blue Jays. And then Kyle Tucker from the Astros. I'm really happy for Kyle Tucker. I'm a big Kyle Tucker fan. I like players who don't use batting gloves, and I've just I've been a fan of his since he was a kid, since he was younger, and so I'm happy for him. And then Jordan Alvarez was added as a DH to the American League uh, team as well. So happy for all those guys. Again. If you want to sit here and argue a couple things on it, I would say I think that Stanton shouldn't have been on the team. Uh, the three guys I would look at to replace him, I already mentioned Austin Hayes. Uh, Randy Rosarina from the from the um, Tampa Bay, uh, Tampa Bay uh, Rays. And then Lourdes Goriel from the Jays has had a really nice first half. I think all three of those guys could have been choices in the American League outfield ahead of Stanton. And then Otani taking up two spots. Uh, they've worked that out by bringing um, Alvarez onto the roster. And, of course, we'll see some players sit out, and there'll be other players added. The two biggest to me as far as the snubs, if you will, I think, of course, were Freddie Freeman and Josh Bell. I would expect that both of them are going to get uh, a shot to play or be on the team. Probably Freeman. If you see two guys sit out, maybe Bell, uh, we'll see what happens there. So um, that's some of the stuff I see there right now. And the All-Star game is a lot of fun. It's next Tuesday, which is the um, it's the 18th. Um, if you don't get a chance, if you've never watched the Major League Baseball All-Star game, take a chance and watch it this year. It's on Fox. It's I think it's 7.30 start here locally in Central Time. It's a really cool to watch the different players on different teams and it gives you a good feel for how baseball's changing. With so many first-time selections, you're going to see some players you have never seen. So give that a chance this year. If you're someone who hasn't watched a lot of baseball and you hear me talking about some of these exciting young players, hey, watch the All-Star game. And, and I'm going to tell you, some of these guys you should be watching. Watch Ronald Acuna. Um Bryce Harper's not playing. He's already he's like he's banged up and on the in the IL, so he won't be there. Uh, but watch Xander Bogarts. Uh, Pete Alonso is amazing. We know Pete Alonso will be in the home run derby, so that'll be fun. He's going to defend his crowd, I would assume. Uh, Byron Buxton's the guy I would watch in the All Star game. 
We'll talk a little more about Home Run Derby on the point five, as we'll know by then who's going to be in Home Run Derby on Monday. Uh, home Run Derby is a lot of fun as well. Um, I think I've been to both. I've been to Home Run Derby, and I've been to the All-Star Game. Home Run Derby is more fun to go to. Um, the All-Star Game is more fun to watch at home. I think if you just get to watch all the players, um, and Pete Alonzo, if he if he does decide he's going to try to three-peat as the Home Run Derby champion, will be interesting. So uh, give that a chance. I know last year was a lot of fun uh, in uh, Colorado. This year they're going to be in the Dodger Stadium in L.A., and the ball can move out of that place too. So check that out. Before we get too far, I want to talk about our, our uh, great sponsor today. Our sponsor, as always, here is Gold Belly. And uh, Gold Belly's got some really cool stuff. And what I wanted to point out this week, I know I pointed out a couple things last week with the Weekender boxes and some of the specials going on there. Right now, Gold Belly also has where you can get cakes from Charm City himself, Duff Goldman. And right now, Gold Belly has a sale going on. You can get things like the Blue Rose Chocolate Cake, the Chocolate Mint Layer Cake. Oh, my gosh. These look so good. Uh, strawberry, uh, Summer Strawberry Cake. You want to do something unique for a birthday. You want to do something unique just as a, a treat for yourself or someone else. You can do it through Gold Belly. Right now, they've got a sale on Duff Goldman Cakes delivered straight to your house. And if you go and use the link in our show notes, you're going to get $25 off your first order of $50 or more. Check out Gold Belly. I guarantee you will find something you like there. Check out the Duff Goldman Cakes. I I think we might have to do something there soon too. So um, have fun. Enjoy that. We thank Gold Belly for sponsoring the podcast and, uh, you know, help them out. That's what helps keep this podcast free for everybody. So take a look at Gold Belly. Again, check out the link in the show notes and you use that link and get $25 off your first order of $50 or more. Plus, you get rewards points at Gold Belly that you can then use for more free stuff. Great concept. Restaurants from all around the country, meal kits. They've even got some different cooking shows and Gold Belly TV to help you kind of get better in the kitchen. Check it out. Again, use the link in the show notes. We appreciate Gold Belly. We appreciate you giving them an opportunity. Yeah, I'm going to uh, shift gears a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about the trade deadline in Major League Baseball, and then we're going to get into one wrestling deal, and I'm going to get up out of here. Um, we are now sitting on July the 10th, as I record. It'll be July 11th when you guys hear this. And the trade deadline in Major League Baseball is coming. It's on August 2nd. Now, after August 2nd, for those who don't understand, trades can only be done between teams if a player clears waivers. A lot of times teams will block players so that a rival team can't get a player. So between now and August 2nd, we're going to see a lot of movement between teams. Teams that are trying to vie to maybe win a division, uh, maybe they're a couple of games back and they're going, oh my God, what are we going to do? You know, it's uh, teams who maybe have a hole or an injury. Um, to give you an example, right now in the American League Central, you've got the Twins, the Guardians, and the White Sox all within three games of each other. You know all three of those teams are going to want to add to the team and get a little better in places between now and the end of the month. Um, it also gives you an opportunity when looking at it to look at, you know, even teams that are in, you know, second place or maybe are in third place in their division, but they're only a couple of games out. Team like the Texas Rangers, who are four games out of a wild card spot. Well, in two months, you can jump four games, but you've got to add on now. So what we'll see here, and if you're a fan of a particular team, you want to see what your team is doing over these next three weeks. The next 22 days are going to be really important. If your team is adding players, they think they have a chance to move up. If your team is trading away players, 
and maybe trying to stockpile young people for the future, then they don't think they're ready now. Um, I'll give you a few examples. So right now, the, the wild card in the American League, you have the, um, the, the, the wild cards right now would be the Red Sox, the Rays, the Mariners, Blue Jays. Oh, you, got, you get four. Um, when you look at that, you go, okay, well, you have the Red Sox are second in the division. And in their division behind the Yankees, they're 14 games back. The Red Sox are not going to catch the Yankees in the division. Nor are the Rays or the Jays or the Orioles. No one's going to catch the Yankees at this point. They're too far ahead. Uh, they're, they're the, they have the biggest lead in baseball. The Astros have a 12-game lead in the American League West. They're likely too far ahead. But don't be surprised if the second-place team in the West, the Mariners, add a piece or two, or the Toronto Blue Jays or the Rays or the Red Sox add a piece or two, thinking, hey, we're just trying to get to the wild card and we want to secure that wild card. Right now, if you look at it in the wild card, in the American League, you've got two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight teams that either have a wild card spot currently or within four games of a wild card. So you have the Red Sox, the Rays, the Mariners, Blue Jays, and you have the Orioles who have just come out of nowhere. I mean, they're eight and two in their last ten. They've been kicking some serious ass because they brought up Adley Rutschman. Their team is just kind of turning around. They're now a game under five hundred and only two games back of a, of a wild card. Um, the Guardians, the White Sox, the Rangers, these are all teams that they add a couple of pieces, they're trying to shift to go in. Now, if you are someone like the Angels, the Tigers, the Royals, or the, As- or the A's, you're thinking, okay, what players can we get off the books? You know, what players can we trade to get future stuff? Uh, that kind of thing. National League right now, the wild card teams, the Braves, the Padres, and the Phillies. Now you have three wild card spots currently in the American League. The Mariners, the Blue Jays, are tied for that last wild card spot. They'd play a one game playoff for the last spot, so that's why you have four there. But the three would be again the Phillies, the Padres, the Braves are five up in the wild card from the next one uh, down. But you've got. Three teams within four games, that being the Cardinals, the Giants, and the Marlins. Those are all teams, again, they could add on, even if they don't think they can win their division. And I'll give you an example. The Marlins are 11 back in the National League East. Now, the Mets and the Braves are pretty much two teams battling for the East. The Mets are currently a game and a half up. The Phillies are at seven back. The Marlins are at 11 back. In the Central, you got the Brewers two and a half up on the Cardinals, who are then uh, the Pirates are next at eleven and a half back. So again, they're not the Pirates aren't battling for their division; they're looking at the wild card. You know, the Marlins are looking at the wild card. The Padres, the Giants, they're looking at the wild card. And so that's what having that new that third wild card is going to help with. Now that you've got that, so. Again, we've got to look at, if you look at the National League teams that could be adding the Braves, the Padres, the Phillies. Uh, the Phillies losing Bryce Harper. They're going to have to make some kind of a big splash. Um, I would not be surprised if the Philadelphia Phillies are one of the teams that go after Andrew Benintendi. Uh, just, you've heard that here first. Uh, St. Louis Cardinals, the Giants, the Marlins. The Marlins have really played well. They're so young. They may not add a lot. But don't be surprised if they make a couple of kind of semi-sideways deals to add a couple of players for 2023. Um, I like what they're doing with their young team. And I'm going to give you five names of players that you could see get moved uh, in these ne- this next month that if you see these guys move, it means that not necessarily those teams are out of it, but because of contracts and everything else, those players are going to get possibly moved. Uh, the first one, um, the couple of guys I'm looking at, Andrew Benintendi from the Royals, I think is going to get traded. I don't think there's any chance he finishes the year with the Royals. 
Uh, I know he's going to be coming up on a new contract soon. I don't think that he's going to be there. Uh, I don't think he's a solution for the Royals long term. Uh, I think the Royals are going to look at trading a couple of guys. I think he's one of them. Um, they've already traded Carlos Santana, a uh, guy what they could get for him. I think Ben Benintendi is going to get looked at by the Red Sox. I think the Phillies are going to be in play. I think the Yankees are going to be in play with how poor Joey Gallo has played for them as well. So don't be surprised if you see that. Uh, Trey Mancini from the Orioles. I don't know that the Orioles, if the Orioles think they have a shot, they don't trade Mancini. If they think, hey, we are better off to build for 2023, they've got two or three really young guys who will come up next year, then they, I could see them making a trade, trading Trey Mancini on to a winner. Um, he's someone I could see uh, going to Tampa, Boston. Um, I could see him in Toronto. I think he'd be a great fit for the San Diego Padres or the Braves. A lot of good fits. I think the Marlins, if they decide they wanted to add a player, I think Trey Mancini makes a lot of sense there. Let's keep that one in mind. Uh, Josh Bell of the Nationals. The Nationals have been so bad. Josh Bell is going to be a free agent. This is the, the Nationals have the worst record in the National League. They're only a game better than the A's, so the worst record in baseball. And they are just a really poor team right now. They're going to trade Josh Bell. He is a top five outfielder in Major League Baseball right now, and he is someone who is going to get traded sooner than later. Um, lots of teams are going to line up for Josh Bell. It's going to be a matter of who puts the best package together, though it won't be a huge package because of the fact that he's going to be a free agency. This is going to be a rental between now and the end of the year. Um, again, this is where a Boston could jump in, Toronto could jump in, um, Cleveland. I wouldn't be surprised to see the White Sox. I wouldn't be surprised if the Padres, the Phillies make a lot of sense there too as sort of a Bryce Harper replacement. I wouldn't be surprised on that one. One I think is going to surprise some people, and I think this guy is in play, and I think others really haven't thought of it, and that's Eric Hosmer Um, from the Padres. Eric Hosmer has not been a great fit for the Padres. And... He's been a fine player, but he's never lived up to who he was as a Kansas City Royal. His contract, he, you know, he's got, um, i got to look again to see how much time he has left. I think he has through this year and next year. So he can get the Padres some sort of return. You know, right now, if you're the Padres, you really want to use that first base spot in the National League is so valuable. You have to get production out of that. And while Eric Hosmer's a fantastic, um, a fantastic defensive first baseman, he has been average at best at the plate. And he's you know, he's been very underwhelming since they've taken him on. And I can see the right deal, him being moved to someone who wants to improve at first base. Honestly, the team I think I see for that is the Boston Red Sox. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense with what they're going through at first base. Franchi Cordero is currently playing first with Bobby Dahlbeck. We don't know what's going to happen with the Raphael Devers injury. If so, then Dahlbeck's going to play third. You can stick a Hosmer in at first, and it would improve the the defense dramatically. So, again, you might see something like that. The big pitcher to me, the one that's going to get the most attention, I think, is going to be Luis Castillo of the Reds. Um, I also wouldn't be surprised if the Reds trade Joey Votto. I know he's hit his whole career there. He's been great for the Reds. But I could see some sort of deal to a team like the Padres, uh, like the Rays, where you put, package both of them. Someone who wants to have a bat. Someone who could play him at DH with Votto. And then Castillo fits right into your starting lineup, starting rotation on the mound. I, I'm looking at a couple different teams there. Uh, the Cardinals would be a team to look at on that. The Giants could be a good a good spot for that. Um, the Red Sox and the Mariners are two of the teams that can make that kind of a deal. It's going to be interesting to see what a couple of these teams do. I'll tell you the teams I would look at. What are the Red Sox going to do first off? I know that's my team. I talk a lot about them. 
But here in the last month, they've played themselves out of last place all the way into the first wild card spot. They just split with the Yankees. They've got a lot of games in the division with the Yankees and the Rays and the Blue Jays. It's going to be really hard to win the East, to come back and win the East, but you're going to be playing so many good teams that you've got to be good. And the Red Sox have had to deal with a lot of injuries. Raphael Devers is now injured. We don't know what's going to happen there. That could be a situation where you know, you could see the Red Sox need to add on. They don't have as much coming up from AAA in the minors as a lot of other teams do. They just don't have as good a farm system right now. The Rays, I think, are a team that could add a veteran and could add a, a, a front-of-the-rotation guy. Uh, the Red Sox will also be added to the bullpen like crazy, too. The Rays, I think, probably, again, a, a rotation guy, an experienced bat, someone that they could have as a DH, maybe play another position, and then could be off the bench when they needed in a big spot. I think that a Joey Votto would be a really good fit for the Rays. Um, I think Andrew Benintendi would be a good spot for the Rays. And I'm interested to see in the National League what the Phillies do. You know, the Phillies were told Bryce Harper could be back by the end of the season. He has a hand injury. Don't know how severe that is. You know, if they're not going to have Bryce Harper at the end of the year, they've even if they do have him back, they've still got to get to that, play, that playoff spot. Right now, they're the last wild card team. But you know the Cardinals are going to add. You know the Giants are going to add. You've got to play that out. And you're in a division where you're playing the Braves. You've got a lot of games with the Mets. It's going to be difficult. The Phillies are going to have to do something. So those are the three teams, the Red Sox, the Braves, the Phillies, who I want to see if they add on and what they might do. And then one team to watch that I think will be fun to watch I don't think they have any chance of making the playoffs, but I think they'll be fun because they've called some young players up and they're starting to come together as a team, and that's the Pittsburgh Pirates. The Pirates um, just recently brought up O'Neill Cruz, who is their shortstop for the future, 6'7", 220 pounds. This guy is a beast of a human being, 6'7", playing shortstop. I mean, that's a big, big dude. That's bigger than Ripken, and that's and he was as big as you can get. Um, I love Michael Chavis with them. And then uh, Brian Hayes is an awesome young player, their third baseman. They just locked him up in a long-term deal. Uh, Brian Reynolds, center fielder, that's a guy I could argue should be on the All-Star team right there. Um, you know, I know they filled in with one of their pitchers for the All-Star team, but I would I, I thought Brian Reynolds could be on that team easily. I think it's just so difficult, the outfield in the National League. Um, but that's a fun, young team. And then they got one of my favorite DHs in Daniel Vogelbach. This guy just crushes balls. Uh, six foot, two. he's listed at 250. Again, he's a Popeye's fried chicken sandwich away from 300. Um, but he's, he's awesome. Um, if you get a chance, check out some Pirates games. Those that team's a fun, young team. So... Uh, there'll be some of that stuff with the deadline. We'll see what your team is doing in the next 21 days. These next three weeks are going to be important because I think after that, we are not going to see a lot of trades going through waivers. We don't have the big names, the big contracts going through this year. It's going to be younger players or players with one year left on their contract, so teams are going to try to block them. So get ready. It'll be interesting to see what happens here going down the stretch. Last subject I have, I want to do a couple of wrestling takes, and I always put these at the very end because I know some people aren't into the wrestling thing, and I'm going to hit up a couple of these. I don't know if people have seen Logan Paul, the YouTube sensation, the boxer, has signed an agreement with the WWE. He is going to do, they call it, multiple uh, live event, premium live event um, appearances, which means he's going to wrestle at the traditional pay-per-views. I imagine we're going to see Logan Paul at SummerSlam, Survivor Series, and WrestleMania. Um, but it'll be something like that. I got to tell you, I thought he was one of the best things about WrestleMania this past year. I'm not a fan of that whole YouTube thing and a lot of what the Pauls, you know, they do with the boxing stuff. I don't really care for that. 
But what I do think he's a genius about is using social media and developing his own brand. And I thought when I saw him wrestle at WrestleMania, this guy gets it. Um, the other guy I thought gets it when I saw him wrestle was Bad Bunny. But I really think Logan Paul gets it. He gets the, I think he's going to want to be a good guy, but he's a heel. He's a villain. And if they play that right, he could be a fun villain that I think WWE desperately needs. And I think it would be something that would be fun that could build a couple of young guys. So let's check out and see what they do. One of the other things, and I've mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, and we're seeing more about the card and what all they're doing. This is Ric Flair's last match. There's a big pay-per-view coming up here at the end of July. Um, it's coming up. I got the date. Let me get that pulled up again. Um, Ric Flair has got a big thing coming up where he's going to do one last match. It's going to be on the 31st of July. Uh, live Nashville, Tennessee. They've actually moved that into one of the bigger arenas. Uh, not the big, big arena. They're actually having SummerSlam there. WWE is on Saturday. Flair's thing will be Sunday. Uh, they've added a couple different cards. We don't know who Ric Flair's wrestling yet. They have not announced that. I'm not sure that they know yet. Uh, but we'll see what happens there. They put together a pretty good little card of people from different shows, a couple of AEW guys, a couple of guys from New Japan and um, uh, CMLL and then um, also AAA. We've seen a couple other people that will be on there. It's going to be available, traditional pay-per-view, as well as on Fight TV. I did see it's $35, so I don't think I'm paying for that. But um, I, I found it interesting. They've sold so many tickets that they are moving that to a bigger, bigger venue. And I think it'll be interesting to see who his last match will be. Um, I predict it will be either him versus, um, I think it'll be him with somebody against the Rock and Roll Express, Ricky, Ricky, uh, Ricky, Mar uh, Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson, or some kind of a six-man. I know the rumor at first was that it was going to be the FTR with Flair versus the Rock and Roll Express with Ricky Steamboat. I understand Ricky Steamboat has said he's not going to do it. They'll figure something out there, something where Flair's going to have to work the whole match. He'll work just a few spots to give us the Ric Flair stuff and get on out. I think a funny thing would be, if you've seen some of the talk, there's been some talk about um, Rick's got on a couple of interviews and talked about he's had a little bit of a falling out with Jay Lethal. Jay Lethal's been the guy who's been working with Rick on his in-ring work. I wonder if they're playing us on this and working us all, and Ric Flair's last match would be with Jay Lethal. I think that would be really fun. Uh, I'd love to see him try to cut the promos. If you know about Jay Lethal, you know he has a great Ric Flair impression. He's done it before in Impact, and I think it'd be a lot of fun to see that for the last match. Jay Lethal's a great worker and could work a really good match with Ric Flair. So let's see if that's what the last match is. Last wrestling thing is not as happy as Ric Flair's last match or, you know, the, what could happen with Logan Paul. And that is this whole Vince McMahon drama. Uh, I really haven't talked about it at length. I'm going to do a little bit here. And then we're going to try to get uh, Hayden in here. I think this week or next, talk a little bit about it. But um, if you haven't seen, a few weeks ago, Vince McMahon stepped down as the chairman of WWE, uh, not the chairman, I'm sorry, the CEO of WWE for the short, I'm sorry, it is chairman um, of, of, of WWE, while he is under investigation involving a NDA that he had a former employee sign where he paid a former, we were understanding it's going to be a, um, it was someone who worked in the legal department and someone who was, um, having an affair, a consensual affair with Vince McMahon and Vince McMahon paid this young lady off about $3 million. Now he has claimed that yes, he did this. There is an NDA. It's not to be talked about. The young woman has not gone public um, as per the NDA, uh, but the information got out there through a third party. And 
my understanding is so that he was, there was an investigation. There is an ongoing investigation. So Vince McMahon steps away. Uh, they called it voluntarily and temporarily. Uh, his daughter, Stephanie McMahon, has been named the interim CEO or interim chairman, chairperson, I should say. And she is assuming his position, Vince's position, while Vince is out. At the same time, Vince McMahon has stayed the head of creative, so what you see on the air. Well, now this past week, more allegations have come out. There are four women who have been paid off, they've, they've uncovered so far, and upwards of $12 million in hush money. Now, one of these, as we understand, and these were all employees, and Vince has said that none of these funds came from the company. So the issue is not the misappropriation of money from the, from, the, from the company, but instead a policy or an environment of sexual harassment, which is, again, a big no-no. As I understand it, one of the, one of the things that's out there is someone is claiming that she was paid upwards of $7.5 million by Vince McMahon uh, when she was cut. This is an on-camera on on personality when she was cut from her contract after uh, refusing to have an ongoing sexual affair. I guess there was something in the beginning. I'm not going to get into the gory details of it all. Uh, but what I understand is now we've seen four examples that have come out. All had NDAs. Vince paid them off up to $12 million spent. This is going to be the end for Vince McMahon. Now, initially, before these other three came out, we saw Vince McMahon show up on, on television three or four episodes in a row on Raw and SmackDown, kind of welcoming fans to the show. He did not do that on Friday night's SmackDown show. I don't suspect we'll see him on Monday Night Raw. I think they've come too far now. Um, and I think it's time for Vince McMahon at 76 years old to go ahead and walk away. I think that this is something that he can't just think about his own legacy here. He has to think about the shareholders of the company, what is happening with, you know, this is a billion dollar, a multi-billion dollar enterprise with shareholders around the world. And he has to think about what's best for the company at this point. And I really think at this point it's going to be Vince stepping away and stepping down permanently. So there'll be some changes. Um, in the meantime, Netflix had been working on a docu-series that was going to be like kind of a biography of Vince McMahon. Uh, my understanding is this was all the way into post-production. They had already done interviews with um, people on the WWE roster, people backstage. They've done a lot of filming and private stuff with Vince McMahon. And they've pulled the plug on this. Um, this is something that's going to go away now, and Vince will not be on um, I mean, just a lot of interesting stuff here. Um, again, we're talking about, you know, some of the stuff here. And I've seen some of this that he's done, you know, you know, some of the allegations. These are not very pretty. You can go to the websites and look them up. I'm not going to get all into that. But again, we're looking at roughly four women and $12 million. Um, one was saying she was coerced into giving immoral sex and then was demoted and released from the company after refusing, as quote, further sexual encounters. That's the one that was paid $7.5 million for her silence. There are some rumors out there to who that is, and I am not going to talk about that here. Those are totally unsubstantiated, and I'm not going to put anybody's business out there like that if I don't know. But um, pretty, it's pretty sad in the end. Uh, we all knew Vince McMahon was no angel. WWE has done so much for people, uh, for their fans, and they've done a lot for, you know, just the brand as far as what pro wrestling is. And there's good and bad to that. Let's, let's not get it twisted. There are a lot of people that don't like the product that WWE is. I'm one of those right now that I think where they're at right now is really poor. But it's great for children to watch. It's gotten away from a lot of the violence and some of the stuff they did back in the 90s. They've changed with the times, um, and Vince McMahon's been the leader of that. 
as he's gotten older, we've seen him take on more of a what looks like a father figure role. But now it looks like he's spoiled a lot of that with these allegations. And, and that's sad to see if you're a fan of, of wrestling as, a, as an entertainment. But uh, I think this is, I think that wrestling's bigger than Vince McMahon at this point. And I think it's hopefully time for him to move on, um, turn this over to his daughter, turn it over to Triple H, and, and turn it over to Nick Khan on the, on the business side and let them take the company to where it can go. So that's kind of my take on the whole Vince McMahon thing right now. Uh, we're going to know more. We're going to talk more about this as more information comes out. So and we're going to wrap it up with that. I want to uh, I want to thank Tyler Jones, everybody at Studio Soapbox, for all you do behind the scenes. Tyler, thank you so much. Hey, most importantly, I want to thank you, the listener. Hey, our numbers have been getting better. People have been listening. We really appreciate it. Myself, Ellen on the point five. We really appreciate you guys taking the time to listen. Uh, one way to keep this free to help us out is to rate us and review us whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Google Spo- Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get this podcast, we appreciate every five-star review. Thank you so much for that. Another way to help us out is obviously check out Goldbelly. Uh, we're going to have another sponsor here coming soon as well. We're working on some ideas there. You can always check out O'Connor Advisory Group at OAGKS.com for all your financial needs. I would love to be your partner and to help you with those things. So give us a shout there as well. We'll be back on Friday for the .5 pod. Ellen will not be with me. She's having her ACL repaired on Monday. So keep your thoughts with Ellen. She's doing going to be doing great, I'm sure. But uh, take a few days, let her get ready and uh, kind of heal up there a little bit. So we're going to have some fun with the .5. I think Uncle Rico might come in, uh, work on a couple of items. We'll see what happens. So until then, until Friday, I want everybody to have a great week. Remember, your time tokens are non-refundable. Hey, if you're here in Kansas, don't forget August 2nd, vote no. Vote for women's rights. Vote no. If you haven't registered to vote, get out there and get it done. Let's help these ladies out and help them. Take care, everybody. Have a great weekend.